This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Weekly Wrap is the week in news and what's coming up. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Kicking off today by saying hi to anyone who is listening on Spotify and specifically on the Weekend Drive playlist, Claire. We know it's a popular playlist and we get a lot of new listeners from it. However, we have been advised that this playlist might be being phased out. So we want to say please hit follow on this podcast because if when that happens, we want to make sure you can still find us. We're always good for news at the Squiz. So if that's the first time that you're hearing that, get prepared for it. It's a good reminder that playlist has been so handy for so many people over the years, but the weekly wrap is really handy as well. So Speaking of handy things. <laughs> we're sticking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you follow our show. We'll still pop up in your app that way. Enough housekeeping though, Kate. Let's get into the news. The news. We start off with mansplaining. We then talk crime and specifically that murder case out of Sydney and the police's response to it. Yeah, crime has been a really big feature of the news in many parts of Australia this week and for a while now, actually, when you go back into it. So we'll step through some of that. We've also got the Wajia gender pay gap report. And is Kate okay? You're talking about Kate Middleton. You're not talking about me. I'm okay. I can. Are you okay? You're good. I'm fine. I'm all good. Uh, Kate Middleton, lots about her this week. So we'll just unpack exactly what went on there. There's a bit coming up next week too, Claire, starting with the NRL and AFL seasons kicking off. We have a by-election and Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, the biggest day in the US presidential primary cycle. If you saw something also about a DJ this week called Fred again performing at the Sydney Opera House, my recommendation has you covered. Let's do it. Most clicked link this week, Claire, was to a viral video. I feel like you don't get a lot of viral videos these days. Like, is everything just viral? Like, I was quite, you know, it used to be just like a breakthrough video. But this one really did go viral. It was posted on TikTok by professional golfer Georgia Ball. She was at a driving range, practicing her swing, videoing it as part of the process of improving her swing, a bloke came over and starts telling her what she's doing wrong. <laughs> Lots of accusations of mansplaining. And mm. look, I have splaining tendencies, so I do have <laughs> some sympathy for this bloke. Um, but really interesting about how Ball handled that. I've been Claire-splained from time to time. <laughs> the link to that TikTok is in your episode notes if you missed it. After it went viral, as you say, Claire, how she responded to that, she said, look, it's all pretty funny. Golf's a great game. Be kind to each other. It's a tough game. We're all going through our own uh, challenges with it. (laughs) Whether this guy is being helpful or just really irritating. Yeah. Yeah. You can make up your own mind. Have a look. Link is in your episode notes. Let's move on. The biggest story this week was the murder of Jesse Baird and Luke Davies. This happened in Sydney. Just a really sad story, Claire. Oh, yeah. Really sad story. And the accused murderer is a police officer, Bo Lamar Condon. Um, really awful crime. Police allege that he murdered both men at the home of Baird in Paddington in Sydney. If you know Sydney, it's just off the city. Mm. Uh, then transported their bodies to a property near Goulburn. And they have since been found. Yeah, important to note, Lamar Condon and Baird knew each other and this is important because of the way that the New South Wales Police Commissioner, Karen Webb, responded this week. Yeah, she got herself into some real hot water this week. Um, She called it firstly a crime of passion 
that saw people really raise their eyebrows about mm. that. She later clarified that what she was trying to say was that it was a domestic sort of crime, uh, not a gay hate crime. And this, of course, all relates to the timing of all of this. The Mardi Gras parade is on Saturday. Yeah, it is. Earlier in the week, Mardi Gras organisers asked the New South Wales police to not march. Lots of opinions within the community, lots of opinions outside of the community. Talkback Radio went crazy on Mm. this this week. I'm doing a bit of a commute lately, so I'm listening to a lot of Talkback Radio. It was really a topic of discussion here in Sydney. In the end, where they landed was that they would march, but not in uniform. The other part to all of this, and this is where this story really went national, is around police officers' access to guns. And we don't really know all the ins and outs of this quite yet. This, Mm. of course, will all come out when it moves into a trial sort of phase. But why this is in focus is that Lamar Condon is alleged to have used a police-issued gun to shoot the couple. It's a debate around police access to guns, also the protocols around those access. And, look, it's not something that I've really thought a lot about this week except when I'm watching British TV crime shows and you notice police don't have guns. Yeah, I I hadn't either. Like I hadn't really thought about what the process is for a policeman or woman to have a gun on them. Mm. What the protocols state, and this is very top line, but basically all firearms are stored at police stations in a firearm room. Anytime an officer enters the firearms room, their identity is recorded along with the time and date. We don't know if Lamar Condon's gun was checked out illegally. Police say, as you pointed out, they're investigating this. This is all going to be part of a much broader investigation. Yeah, exactly right. And what Karen Webb, the commissioner, did concede is that clearly something has gone wrong. Claire, unfortunately, we're still in crime for the top of this segment. It's been a big news theme for a while. We talk about it a little bit. So as I was prepping for this episode on Thursday, I pulled up the front pages of the national tabloids, just sort of out of interest. Mm. Nearly every single one had crime on the front page. One of the biggest ones, the Herald Sun, had a big piece about the increasing rates of youth crime. Yeah, so what's happening in Victoria when you look at those reports is that um, police have spoken about an extreme group of about 80 hardcore repeat youth offenders. They've been arrested, they've been released more than 10 times each in the past year. Same theme in the Queensland papers, all about youth crime again. Yeah, and actually when you look at the paper on Friday, Mm. it's a different story but a similar kind of theme. So the police Commissioner in Queensland actually stepped down last week earlier than planned. Uh, As she left, she said about youth crime that it's, and this is the quote, dangerous, it's escalating, and it's certainly one of the biggest focuses of the Queensland Police Service. Yeah, we know it's a problem in the Northern Territory. We've talked about that both in Darwin, in Alice Springs, and elsewhere. In New South Wales, the Premier Chris Minns visited the town of Moree last week to talk on this issue. It is frightening the reports out of Moree about youth gangs. I saw a report which said in the last two years they've had a 40% jump in home break-ins and vehicle theft has doubled. So yeah, it's going to be a continuing thing, particularly in Queensland when we look at a state election. Mm. So expect those things to be coming up more. Um, From crime to pay gaps, Kate. Wajia. Wajia. We've said Wajia like people know what we're talking about. That's the (laughs) Workplace Gender Equality 
agency. It's a federal government agency. What it does, and this is from the website that I'm saying this, it collects and publishes information relating to gender inequality indicators. It assists employers to take action. It monitors compliance. It delivers programs and it undertakes research. That's its functions. And I thought it was important just to lay them out to understand exactly what this agency is for. As part of its functions, private sector companies with over 100 employees have had for years now to report to Wajia their gender pay gap. And this is important because it's not new for those companies that have had to do it. They've been doing it for a long time. Uh, It's just that for the first time, that company by company information has been published. The big picture is that Australia has a median pay gap of 19% in favour of men. So that means you basically pick the midpoint of earnings and a man is paid about 19% more than a woman. Just to clarify that point, they've been reporting these numbers. Wajia has had them. They've been publishing that figure year on year. Like a big aggregated number. But they've never until this year published company by company the gender pay gap. But lots about it this week. Understanding exactly what they're reporting got me. (laughs) So let's unpack it. Got me too because let's just unpick the assumed knowledge in the news. Yeah. It's what we love to do at the Squiz. And as I mentioned earlier, my splaining kind of tendencies can come Splain out Splain away. Splain away. Um, so the gender pay gap describes the difference between average earnings of men and women. That's at a very top level. And when you get into the explanation from that agency, what they say is what these numbers represent is not some kind of comparison between like roles, but what it is across the organisation, that average of men and women in the organisation. But of course, as we just mentioned, they also do industries and the workforce as a whole. So this is why you will hear a lot in the reporting of this, that these numbers aren't about equal pay. If you're a woman sitting next to a bloke doing the same job, this is not what this is about. It's about a median across your organisation. I'm still a little confused about the number. So if I have 100 employees, 50 are men, 50 are women, my pay gap is 50%. Claire, does that mean that men in my organisation are paid 50% more than women? No. You can't say that. Yeah. So in some cases, like one of those men might be getting paid 500% more than one of those women Mm -hmm. in that organisation. Of course, when you work somewhere, you know, you've got very senior executives and you've got very junior staff members, uh, there would be likely one woman getting paid 500% more than one of the men as Mm. well. Uh, What happens though, of course, when you average, of course, everyone in the organisation is you get a sense that women are getting paid less than the men as a group in that organisation. And that might give you some insights about that organisation and it might want to address some of those issues. So the conversation quickly goes from pay to the structural reasons why women aren't in those more senior roles. roles. Yeah. A lot of perspectives. Might I just read you a few headlines from the week, I'd love you to. Kath and Kim of Corporate Australia, the first gender pay gap report is crude, crass and blunt. That was from The Australian. The Guardian wrote, some people are desperately averse to the hard data. The gender pay gap is no exception. It's a bit of a balancing one, isn't it? The headline in the Financial Review, family choices behind pay gaps, say bosses. And finishing off with another one in The Australian with a very different perspective, gender pay report is just nonsense. The reason I wanted to read these out is because the problem and what a solution can be is very varied. For this reason, perspectives on the gender pay gap will be our topic for News Club this week. Claire, our club picks will be out on Instagram ahead of the episode dropping. 
That's exciting, isn't it? I think so. You can get into some reading and that's out on Tuesday, of course, our News Club podcast. Mm-hmm. Moving on, Kate, one story we didn't cover in the squeeze today but it's been building all week is what's happening with Kate and William. I know. This question of is Kate okay, this was in the spotlight because the Prince of Wales withdrew at short notice from a memorial service in Windsor for his godfather, King Constantine of Greece, mm. to get really into the names. (laughs) Less than an hour before the event, though, he pulled out. So it was a bit of a shock. Kensington Palace said that he couldn't attend due to a personal matter. And that's where they left it. So it was Mm. a bit vague. And look, it has been a challenging few weeks for the Royals. So the alarm bells did go off. The rumour mill cranked into gear. Was Kate unwell? Is she more unwell than we know? Mm. Uh, Is the king okay with his cancer treatment? There's lots of questions. We won't get into the conspiracy theories, but if you've read anything on Kate Middleton and like anything around some (laughs) rumours, some conspiracies about Mm. what might be going on with her, they have come out this morning and said that she's fine. She'll return to royal duties from the 31st of March. Claire, you wanted to make a point though about her public appearances. Well, I mean, imagine how much scrutiny is going to be on her. So we've had Mm. months of not really knowing how she is. We don't know why she's had that abdominal surgery. I don't really want to know. But imagine the scrutiny on her when she does make a public appearance. Got a feel for her, really. There you go. Claire, feeling for Kate Middleton. I do. I do. Coming up this week, Claire, heaps. Heaps. A lot. The Dunkley by-election is today. We can't talk about it because we have no idea what's going to (laughs) happen. Some people, when you read the commentary, they say that it's actually pretty close. Looking forward to watching that come in Saturday night, ABC, you and I. Can't wait (laughs) for that. Plenty of insight, though, of course, about how voters might be approaching this. Cost of living, of course, is the biggest issue. And it's one of those seats where they have plenty of people who commute into the city, and cost of living pressures and a mortgage belt, so it'll be an interesting one. They're saying it's like a kind of a microcosm of that problem and we might get a sense of where people are at and where voters are at. On Sunday, I'll have Fox Sports on from about 1.30. First game the of the NRL. in the afternoon? It's in the afternoon. In the afternoon. Two games okay, in the that's afternoon. that's quite good timing. Yeah, first game of the NRL season, Manly Sea Eagles, South Sydney Rabbitohs from Las Vegas. And you're a Rabbitohs I am. I'm married to a Manly fan, but that's not why. I mean, I'm just so fascinated (laughs) about how they pull this off. We saw Russell Crowe get involved. We've seen so much promotion about it. Tom Brady threw a pass to Reese Walsh earlier in the week for, you know, for the TikToks. (laughs) It's a double header. Four teams are over there. Lots of jokes about Vegas and footy players. What can go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Uh, Look, focusing, of course, on why Vegas for Mm. this opening round for those teams. The answer, I suspect, has to do with some dollar signs. Yeah, lots of talk about whether they're actually going to make any money from it. Highly unlikely in the first year. It's all about finding new revenue from US broadcasters, from new sponsors and to reach new audiences. I saw a report about the timing. It's in the middle of US sport, Claire, strategically. Mm. So the NFL season has finished. Basketball and ice hockey Mm. aren't really at the pointy end yet. The NRL will, of course, be hoping for some close games. And a really good point was made, I heard on a podcast earlier in the week, that they've done this as part of the regular NRL season. And that's important. Usually these things are exhibition matches or, you know, special games. But what it means is the players are really going to care yeah. about this game. They're really yeah, right. going to go after a win. So and they've got their A team. Yeah, they've got their A team. Hopefully we're going to get a really good couple of games. Well, for rugby league fans, what a treat what that a treat. will be. Uh, and, of course, so much chat about who's going to 
turn up who's yeah. going to be well, in the Taylor stands. Swift be apparently Taylor Swift's been invited. Oh wow. I know. <laughs> she's not even there. She's I in don't Singapore. Know, maybe the Kelsey's. I mean, oh, it's wow. all very hopeful. Okay. But you know what? Tune in to find out who's there for nothing else. Yeah. Um Thursday though, will that will be behind us, well and truly behind us. We're into AFL season. Yeah, so the Sydney Swans versus Melbourne, that's at the SCG. That kicks it off. We've skipped some stuff, of course, so let's just rewind a little bit. Yeah. Super Tuesday, a really important one for US politics. Yeah, super late Tuesday. It's going to be like Wednesday. Late Tuesday, early Wednesday. Talk us through it. So 15 states and one US territory are going to hold the party's nominating contest. It's really a discussion, though, about the Republicans and it's Nikki Haley's sort of last shot to shore up her candidacy. She's well and truly been thumped by former President Donald Trump in the contest so far. She said that she would hang in there until Super Tuesday. If it's all Trump again, that's probably the end of her. She can't really win. No, I mean, like, she's, the, I mean, she's we, never going to be able to win. Yeah, and this is the thing: yeah. she can't really win. So, lots of questions about why she hasn't pulled out already. I heard Peter Harcher, who's um, a journalist here, but he covers U.S. politics, talk through a few of the possible reasons for this. The one that stuck out to me was this idea that Trump could be jailed. He's got ninety-one charges against him at the moment. They might need a backup. Anything could happen. Yeah. Like, and you can't even like in the seemingly most benign kind of election campaigns think it's a sure thing. A whole lot of things could happen and then you look at exactly what Donald Trump has got. Um, Also about putting her in poll position for next time. She's only 52. Yeah, and I was horrified when you look at sort of casting forward. Um, Again, I've listened to a lot of podcasts on this in the last couple of weeks too. 2028, God, that feels like sci-fi to me. Talking about the 2028 election campaign, um, that's something that she could be positioning herself for. Yeah, it's interesting because she's bleeding cash and she's probably not going to win. So that analysis is um, quite fascinating. The Democrats, Joe Biden's got that pretty much stitched up. Claire, we mentioned last week the Prime Minister of the Philippines that he was addressing our parliament this week. He did that. He spoke in a forthright way about not surrendering any territory to foreign powers. He didn't say China. No, but he did mean China. And the reason that we're talking about that is that Anthony Albanese is hosting a special ASEAN conference next week in Melbourne. ASEAN members include 10 Southeast Asian countries. Expect lots about the region and protecting it next week in the news coverage. I've put a bid in for that to be our shortcut next week. We'll see okay. where it goes. It's up to Alex to decide, say. but yeah. I will. I, that's my bid. We then go into full-blown International Women's Day mode. Katie Gallagher is speaking at the Press Club on Thursday. She's the Finance, Women and the Public Service Minister. It's a portfolio under a bit of pressure at the moment, the pay data for one. Also, lots of questions about the public service. Their pay data was not published this week. Yeah, exactly. It was about companies Mm. when we saw that gender pay data. Um, Also under pressure about the public service and work from home arrangements. If you've picked up the Financial Review or the Australian in recent weeks, you might have seen a bit on that. This week, employees at the four biggest federal agencies, so it's about half of the 180,000 strong Australian public service, they voted to back an 11.2% sector-wide three-year pay deal, but it does remove all of these work-from-home restrictions. Yeah, so questions about the public service and working from home and how efficient that may or may not be and fairness when it comes to our public service versus our private sector. Friday, Claire, is International Women's Day and coincidentally it's our birthday 
seven years of the squiz. Next week, I'll ask you about your most proud squiz moment, but I'll give you a week to think about it. Okay. It's fat bear week, but anyway. (laughs) Squiz recommends, I don't know if anyone else out there in their social media feeds had on, I think it was on Monday, a lot about a DJ called Fred again. (laughs) And sorry if you're a big fan, because there clearly are a lot of you out there, but it's very new for me. Yes. And I'm sure for many other people, this phenomenon that is Fred again. I've got an explainer on why his surprise show at the Sydney Opera House sold out in a matter of seconds, Mm. if you're a bit confused. (laughs) I'm confused. I'm looking forward to diving. It's a really good explainer on what, (laughs) and what he does and how uh, he strategically announces shows very quickly and where he announces them and how people get tickets and the rush that's on to, to get them. It's it's quite it's quite interesting. And I kind of get that if it's a warehouse at the back of somewhere, but the Sydney Opera, the House, Opera House is kind of a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a yeah, what a treat for fans. Sounds amazing. Um, Estonia is a TV series that I've started watching. I'm about three episodes in. What got me in is on the packet it talks about it being made by the same people as Chernobyl. Which, which was great. I really loved yeah. that series. I can't believe actually that was about three years ago, mm. Chernobyl. Um, it is the story of the sinking of the Estonia, which was basically a ferry. It happened in 1994. 852 people died in that, mostly Swedish. Um, it was a big scandal at the time. So really interesting story. SBS? SBS. On SBS. Free it's to free. watch. There yep. you go. Both of those links will be in your episode notes. They'll also be up on Instagram, also on our website. Squeeze Press, Claire, last week we asked you to follow our Instagram channel. You're still welcome to do that. Mm. But if you want to do something else for us, well, are we make sure too you much? do the Instagram yeah, do thing. do the Instagram thing. Yeah. Are we asking too much? No, no just ask. <laughs> just ask. If you, you don't, don't ask, do you don't get. But please leave us a review on your podcast <laughs> app, on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple, that would be great. Thank you. We would really... We'd really appreciate it. We sure would. Yep. And that Instagram channel, if that's uh, the path you will take, is at the Squeeze News Club. Thank you for listening to this episode of Weekly Wrap. We'll be back on Tuesday with perspectives on the gender pay gap for our News Club pick this week. 